What's up, cool cats and cuties? This is the Promenade Merchants Podcast, a Star Trek podcast out on the frontier. So sit down and grab a rock to Gino as David Majors and Heather Kirby talk all things Star Trek. Old, new, and what's to come. The Promenade Merchants are open for business. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 38th episode of the Promenade Merchants Podcast, your cool, scrappy, underdog Star Trek podcast. I'm David Majors. It's been a while, but we'll talk about that in a minute. And I'm joined by my fantastic co-host, Miss Heather Kirby. It's it's a joy. I was saying right before we started recording, Heather, it's a joy to hear from you again. And it's it's a joy to do this podcast with you again. It is always a joy. You know, we had to like throw the Dominion off the Deep Space Nine so we'd get back on the promenade. But we're here and we have a ton of Star Trek to talk about. So we really do. And that's that's kind of when we're at our best, because this is a bi-weekly Star Trek podcast. We try and space things out a little bit to give everybody a chance to watch some Star Trek, enjoy some Star Trek, and then come back and talk about it. So everybody out there, if you're listening, thank you. And give us a give us a tweet on Twitter at PromTrekPod. Uh, Heather and I are always looking to chime in. Send us an email at PromenadeTrekPod.com and let us know what you think in the, the various social media spaces there are out there. Now, for new listeners to the show, or if you've been away for a while like us, we, we have a format. We'll do our old business where us, the Promenade Merchants, will bring up the old business, classic Star Trek, what have you, up to the current era. Uh, new business where we talk about what's happening in the world of Star Trek right now, and boy howdy is there a lot. And upcoming business where we look to the future and we really do still have a lot of star trek to look forward to and i'm i'm just so excited to talk about this franchise every chance we get heather so let's jump into old business now for regular listeners of the podcast we were away for a little bit um your promenade merchants both respectively we're going through a little bit of a, a couple of medical issues. Uh, I will let Heather, uh, if she likes, expound on hers, and I will elaborate on mine. But we're going to talk a little bit about Star Trek Doctors. Uh, Heather, please, you have the con. Well, we'll just say um, Heather, in general, is very stubborn and doesn't like to go to the doctor. <laughs> I didn't actually go to the doctor. I've had a bit of a bum knee joint for a few weeks, which isn't a whole lot of fun, uh, considering um, I don't have a desk job. But uh, it's getting there. I can still hobble around on it, and it's all good. But yeah, I I love Star Trek doctors. Um, They are some of my favorite characters in the entire franchise. So I'm excited to talk about them with you Um, personally. And like we also talked about pulling out some of our favorite doctor episodes. Uh, So the two episodes I happened to pull out, which features one of my favorite doctors, um, the other being 
the crazy Mr. Bones McCoy from TOS. But my favorite doctor is actually Dr. Beverly Crusher from TNG. Sorry, Pulaski fans. I am Team Crusher. Mm. <laughs> so I still um, love you, Pulaski gang. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I am Team Crusher. I just uh I, I don't know if it was like growing up I had a thing with like fierce redheaded women. Um because I'm a huge Dana Scully fan. Uh, so <laughs> Crusher, my love affair of Crusher actually came before Dana Scully. So, uh, but no, I love Crusher. Um, I love her independence and her willingness to stand up for what she believes in. And, you know, the two episodes I wanted to highlight for that were actually really early TNG. Um, it's a late season one episode called Symbiosis. Uh, which is the one with the two different planets right next to each other where the one manufactured this cure that the other one desperately needed to stay alive, but it was actually a drug that they kept them addicted on so they could basically kind of use the other society as like slaves, sort of. Um, I really loved Crusher in that episode because she really stood her ground with Picard and told him, you know, this isn't right. They could easily get off this. We can fix this. You know, why can't we do something? And it's one of those few instances where Picard really followed (laughs) the prime directive and refused to get involved in a way that would actually help these people. But I really appreciate watching Crusher stand up for herself in that episode. There are a lot of really good Beverly Crusher episodes through all of TNG, especially in the later seasons where you could tell that there was more of an effort to get her involved as an individual character. Uh, Sub Rosa aside, uh, there were more than a couple of episodes where you really saw Beverly Crusher using her medical knowledge and her instincts to really get the enterprise many times out of situations that nobody else could. And I think that's a real testament to Beverly Crusher as a character where there were numerous times where in some ways, kind of like Jordy LaForge in a couple of episodes where she was the only one who could really get through an episode uh, like being the chief medical officer. And that is something that has been an important part of Star Trek since the very beginning, having the title of chief medical officer. And for me, I guess that's why I'm going to say my two favorite doctors are Dr. Kolber on Star Trek Discovery and Dr. Bashir from Deep Space Nine. Uh, I think that the first episode for Dr. Bashir that comes to mind, and I'm going to stick with Dr. Bashir the most because I feel like his entire evolution as a character is really something to behold. And I think that with Dr. Culber, we're, we're still watching him grow in. I think Wilson Cruz is simply phenomenal. But back to Dr. Bashir, uh, the first episode that I really thought of was Nor to Battle the Strong from DS9. It was season five, where Dr. Bashir and Jake have to 
go to a Federation outpost in the middle of the Dominion War. And we see Dr. Bashir in an element where he isn't necessarily used to. He has to be a medic, a combat doctor in a combat situation, but he does a great job. And there were so many times throughout the series where you saw Dr. Bashir being put in lots of different situations, but he was always able to rise to the occasion. And I think that he really showed, uh, genetic enhancements aside, he showed that he was an incredibly capable doctor. And I always thought that was something to really be respected about him, that he, he cared very much about what he did. And he always went out of his way to be, an excellent physician and that really mattered to him. He really took his oath very seriously. And I think that was just, that was awesome of Dr. Bashir. You know, <laughs> okay. I hate to say this. I can't stand Dr. Bashir. Oh, really? No, no. I, 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 I get why people like and respect him as a character, but I have a few um, personal issues with the character that I've never oh. been able to fully get past. Okay. Um. Sure. If you'd like, please. I, I'd love to hear it. Well, the first is like, yes, he does evolve past the total creepy guy. You can say he's a fuckboy. Yeah. He's a fuckboy. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the total creepy fuckboy of season one. He does evolve past that. But I also, I cannot stand his genetic enhancement storyline. I don't like it. I have a lot of issues with it. Because in my opinion, like, by the the time, like, I, I wouldn't have had an issue with him being genetically enhanced. What I have an issue with is how they treat him like it's a bad thing. I mean, I understand the augments were bad. Khan is bad. That whole system is bad. But Bashir's genetic enhancements were for the betterment of himself as a person and he would not be able to be the doctor that he is without that but it's still treated like it's bad <laughs> you know it, it, it's still treated like um it, it it's something that shouldn't have happened and shouldn't have been beneficial to him and he's still like he, he he's treated differently by the rest of the ds9 crew once they find this out because you know there there's jokes made about it um and it it's it's treated like um it, it, it it's not accepted as a normality as to that's who he is and so that's really okay something and, and, and i mean that's not something that's part of his control but it's an issue i have with the writing in that so, like, especially for those two things, um, I, I, I've just, I've never been able to get past my dislike of the character okay. because of that. I, I understand where you're coming from. Um, I definitely put that on the writing. 
but I also put that on Dr. Bashir's parents Mm -hmm. and that whole story arc with his parents and how his father got sent to a Federation prison for what he did. But I completely understand where you're coming from. I, I definitely do. Um, since we're we're going to move on to new business, let's talk a little bit about current Star Trek a little bit. Um, and and also since Heather mentioned her bum knee, I'll mention myself. I'm on an antidepressant now. I, I'm on I'm on some meds, and, and now I'm I'm podcasting on meds. So there's the full disclosure. Uh, the first couple of weeks were a little weird, but I'm. I'm starting to feel a little bit closer to normal. So there I am. So now we've we've all put our business out there. Um, but I want to ask you, Heather, with Trek Now, we have Dr. Culber on Discovering and Dr. Tiana on Lower Decks. Um, I like them both. I'm a big fan of both of them uh, for very different reasons. Um, what do you think about our current doctors in Star Trek. Oh, I'm definitely a big fan of both of them. And uh, they're very different characters. Um, You know, Colbert is very compassionate. Um, He's very thoughtful. Um, He he really, he's been through a lot himself. And so he really takes that approach when dealing with other members of the crew, which I appreciate. Um, And then Tiana is very much on the other side of the spectrum um, of doctors in which she's very capable and very smart, but she's very blunt and sarcastic uh, a la the Leonard Bones McCoy of TOS era type of doctor, um, which I also appreciate too, because it it works for a humor show like TNS or like uh, Lower Decks to have that type of character there so um i love them both but for very different reasons as well i think you put it exceptionally well uh dr culber uh seemingly infinite wells of compassion as a physician and even doing some counseling uh just fantastic and i'm a big big fan of wilson cruz as far as i'm concerned he's really taken that role and has just made it really special uh dr tiana is hilarious with being both profane as hell (laughs) while also being a cation and still showing lots of cat tendencies and (laughs) it's just very charming. Even as someone who doesn't own a cat, I find Dr. Tiana very charming. Yes. Um, her cat tendencies um, just make me love her even more. <laughs> so, Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. So let's jump into new business and let's talk about Lower Decks. Uh, it's been a little bit since we talked about them. Uh, everybody, it, normally we go kind of every couple of episodes... I, in in our brief uh, delay in episodes, was on the podcast A Strange New Pod, so big thanks to Julian and everyone at Strange New Pod, uh, talking about episode six, The Spy Humongous. So if you want to hear me talking about that episode, go ahead and listen to A Strange 
new pod. Give them a like, give them a subscribe, give them a good review, and we really thank them for having me on. Uh, I, Excretus, uh, episode eight. Heather, that was your your episode, and you were on the Infinite Diversity podcast, which I just listened to yesterday. Uh, and of course, I had no doubt you were great. So <laughs> everyone out there, give give them a listen, give them a like, and and support them. And we'll cover the rest here on Promenade Merchants. So seasons to episode seven, where pleasant fountains lie. Uh, for me, I was especially surprised at this episode, Heather, because it was a Billups episode. It was and a Billups just, episode, yes. Yeah, and I just thought that was so cool that we we got something about the chief engineer of the Cerritos, who had really been a, a background character for the most part up until this point. And we found out that he is a prince of a colonized planet. And his mother wants him to take the throne uh, as king. Except Billups does not want to be the king of this planet. And that would also involve him losing his virginity. And this was maybe the most, in my opinion, the most warped Star Trek The Next Generation episode that I think Lower Decks has ever done. <laughs> it was in so many ways very much a Next Generation episode. <laughs> like, in a weird way, I could almost imagine this being a plot for, say, uh, a one-off character on The Next Generation. Or even in a weird way, this could almost be like a Deanna Troy episode where uh, something is happening where she has to go back to Beta Z and she doesn't want to or, or something like that. Uh, what did you think of this episode where pleasant fountains lie? Well, you know, I love the Renaissance theme of it. <laughs> Um, just the whole civilization or civilization that Billups comes from, um, being very medieval, but yet modern, um, and finding medieval expressions to talk about modern things. Um, it was just a whole lot of fun and you're right. It did really feel like a TNG episode in that way. I mean, considering we had TNG episodes with Robin Hood and, uh, Barclays, like fairy tale, three musketeer world, you know, it, it definitely felt like something that could fit into a TNG episode. Um, and um, I love the idea that, you know, Billups has to give up his virginity in order to be the king. And it's not just a matter of him wanting to stay and work on starships it's a matter of him not wanting to have sex which is kind of awesome <laughs> you know you don't really get a whole lot of storylines like that um so it's an interesting like I, I i've heard some people online especially after season one talk about a lack of uh lgbtq representation in lower decks um 
this is a type of LGBTQ representation that does not happen on many shows whatsoever because asexual representation isn't really out there. And so to see them go that direction with Phillips and, you know, it wasn't really done for laughs. It was taken very, like, it was taken very seriously. Like it, 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 And Heather, did you notice, did you notice in this episode that when it nearly got to the point where he was going to do the deed and and become king, you noticed that there was a man as well as a woman. Yeah, yeah. And, and I thought that was also something that was noticeable and, and ought to be ought to be recognized that Lower Decks made that move. Yeah, no, it it, it it's definitely. Um... It, it's a standout episode in Lower Decks when it comes to LGBTQ representation. So I really appreciated that. Agreed. I thought that was really well done. And we got to see more about the Billups character than anyone might have expected. And it was really, really good. Uh, episode nine, because we respectively covered six and eight. Uh, episode 9, I'm going to see if I can pronounce this correctly. Uh, my Klingon is a bit shaky. My sister's the one that speaks Klingon in the family. Uh, episode 9, let's go! Was that, was that all right? Yeah, that you pronounced that better than I could. <laughs> so, okay. Translated into uh, Federation standard as three ships. Yes. Uh, life on the lower decks of other ships. I thought this episode was absolutely phenomenal, Heather, personally. You know, this episode was perfection. It was so good to see uh, just a dive into lower decks in different cultures besides just the Cerritos. I mean, I never imagined that we would get an episode like this. It was really freaking cool to watch and a lot of fun. And to really combine the tales of uh, this Klingon bird of prey and this Vulcan ship and what's going on on the Cerritos um, and weave the story in together was a brilliant piece of writing. And it, just, it really was. Yeah, just watching it all unfold was just. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't have enough great ad- adjectives to describe it. It, it. it was really, really great to watch. Uh, absolutely, I, I could concur. It was an excellent episode. Uh, I think that, in particular, I think Star Trek fans will especially be interested in the Vulcan to Lynn who in the beginning of this episode was on a Vulcan ship, but she started having emotional outbursts uh, on Vulcan standards. At least she was having some really wild emotional outbursts and talking about things that she felt and things that she was feeling. And she was not really getting her emotions in control on Vulcan standards. So they are moving her off of that Vulcan ship. So I got to ask, do you think perhaps in season three or sometime in the future, will we be seeing the Vulcan to Lynn uh, on this on lower decks and maybe even on the Cerritos? Uh, 
I absolutely think we're going to see Talyn again. I mean, they made a point of transferring her to Starfleet at the end of that episode. Um, we're going to see her again. And hopefully it will be on the Cerritos and she's going to be a, a recurring character, just like some of the other ones we've gotten to know and love. So, uh, yeah, I'm really excited for that. I I especially remember the moment that I saw to Lynn and I had a feeling that that would happen to her is in one of the scenes where she was talking with the commander of the Vulcan ship and the commander followed her directions. And you remember in that episode where she, she put up a little bit of a smile, a little bit of a smirk. And that was the moment where I realized, Oh, she's, she's really emotional for, for a Vulcan. And that, that was kind of when I knew, oh, she's, she's probably going somewhere else. So I definitely agree that that probably won't be the, the last we'll be seeing of Talyn. And yeah, episode nine let's do it, was really, really good. Um, Yeah, since we're coming up to the conclusion of season two of Lower Decks, Heather, this show just continues to be almost flawless uh, i still say to this day that the pilot was the episode that i enjoyed the least uh and only in season two the mugato episode was the one where i maybe was a little bit less excited about but overall it's been great lower decks has been just phenomenal hasn't it you know, I feel like as the same way in season two now that I did in season one. And for me, the first episode of the season was the weakest. <laughs> and it's gotten better as it has gone along. Um, so, I, I mean, I had a few episodes in season one that I, I didn't like for various reasons. But um, I especially these past four episodes i think have all been really really good and they're leading up to another epic showdown with the pack lids next week because there's gonna be another epic showdown with the pack lids in the, the finale <laughs> you know the I entire season be. has been leading up to that so i'm pretty sure that's what's gonna happen this week um, and I'm looking forward to it because, you know, the epic showdown with the pack lids in season one was really awesome. So, uh, I could see it being just as great this time around. Um, yeah, you know, they're really, they're really showing their love of Star Trek in these episodes. And, you know, it's every single episode is just a love letter to Star Trek. And whether it's your kind of humor or not, like I always say, it's not always my kind of humor, but I appreciate the love letter that they write to Star Trek on a weekly basis in this show. So, yeah. If you appreciate Star Trek as a franchise and you can appreciate Star Trek as a large franchise with a lot of different things, you will find an episode of Lower Decks that you will enjoy. And, and I truly believe that. And there's a lot more to look forward to. 
uh, which leads us into upcoming business. And right now, as we're recording this, Star Trek is wrapping up at New York Comic Con. And we got some, we got a little bit of, of news for Star Trek in the future. Uh, we got a trailer, a new trailer for Star Trek Discovery Season 4, which I would like to talk about uh, because I've watched it a couple of times and and I have some opinions. And we just saw right before we recorded the brand new uh, 60 second trailer for Star Trek Prodigy, uh, which had Kate Mulgrew and the cast of Prodigy and the USS Protostar. Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited for Prodigy. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. And I'm very excited for Star Trek Discovery now coming on November 18th. Uh, Heather, I'll ask you, since you just watched the Prodigy trailer, uh, how'd you feel about it? I loved it. (laughs) (laughs) I loved it. Um, Yes, Hollow Janeway has just as much snark as real life Janeway and I'm I, I I'm very very excited to see what Prodigy does. Um I think it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be an interesting ride uh to introduce these new characters into the Star Trek universe, but I I'm really really looking forward to it and um i can't wait to see janeway rip this motley crew of characters into shape um it it, it, it's it's just oh yes i can't wait and it's coming soon heather it's coming soon (laughs) uh and so so is discovery discovery is really not that far away either november 18th this trailer has had some discussion. It's had some conversation. It's had, I'm going to say the magic word, it's had some discourse, Heather. The Star Trek Discovery discourse is back in full force. Uh, What we saw is that there is a spatial anomaly, very Star Trek, uh, that is putting the Federation and what looks to be the Alpha Quadrant in danger. And we are seeing Captain Michael Burnham. We saw a few returning characters from season three. And we saw a clip of a couple of different things. We saw an Orion and what looked to be a Cardassian Bajoran uh, woman, as well as a much talked about Ferengi Starfleet officer. (laughs) Who, boy, are they talking about that Ferengi? And we are seeing what could be another big budget Star Trek Discovery adventure with Captain Michael Burnham leading the crew of the Discovery on another hair-raising adventure. Uh, I thought it looked pretty cool. I would say that this trailer for season four has me more excited than I felt about season three. Uh, because I love seeing Michael Burnham as captain. That's just very exciting. And I'm loving the new uniforms. Uh, I think that there's going to be a lot of action in this season, which I, I think is really fun and exciting. And 
I feel like Discovery, it gets all of the big budget production, and I'm here for that. So I saw this and I'm excited. It feels like what a Star Trek movie would be if it were extended into a series. And that's what I love about Discovery. It is a movie, and that's great, in my opinion. How about you? Yeah, you know, Discovery at times does feel like a uh, 10-hour movie (laughs) instead of a a TV series, but I'm okay with that. You know, it's the show I fell in love with. Um, I'm really excited for season four um, to see Michael in that red uniform in the captain's chair. It just feels like you've finally like hit the point where she's meant to be. And uh, you know, that it, 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 it feels right to see her like that. Um, I love that the Federation president is, he, I, I think they said she's part human too. So she's human Kardashian and Bajoran, which feels like she has a super interesting backstory, which I want to know. <laughs> Even though I don't know if we're going to get it. I want to know her backstory. Um, we're not going to talk about the Ferengi. I do not want to talk about the freaking Ferengi. There's been too much talk we're online about the Ferengi. Okay. We're not talking about the Ferengi. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I it, it's once again, it is a huge threat to the galaxy or the quadrant in which they have to solve. But, you know... This is Star Trek Discovery. This is what they do on a season basis is to deal with something like that. You know, don't, I mean, it's not worth complaining about the story because this is what the show is. And so if you love and appreciate the show, you're going to be perfectly fine with the fact that they are once again all in mortal danger and have to save the universe (laughs) because that's what they do. Um, so yeah, I, there's, there's so much, like, it's hard to process a trailer like that because it's so chock full of small moments, which you have zero context for whatsoever. Um, I, I hope that Gray gets his body back because, I mean, we see many shots of Gray and Adira together in there. Um, I saw many shots of our bridge crew, um, Detmer, uh, Joanna Wilson-Kuhn kicking some ass, you know, um, so I'm excited to see more of the bridge crew as, uh, Patrick hinted at in, uh, Star Trek Las Vegas, so I'm just... It's it's discovery. It's exciting. Of course, it's exciting. I'm excited for it. It's discovery. I cannot wait. And so, um, yeah, we got so much more Star Trek to look forward to. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And I just cannot get enough of when I watch Discovery. I see a black woman as captain, a woman as their first officer two bridge officers as women at the helm and i just think that's really awesome and we have a married couple of two men 
um, essentially raising a non-binary child together. And I think those things about Star Trek Discovery should not be glossed over and just how much they are pushing forward these ideas that Star Trek and humanity's future are so much more than what we are right now. And let's never lose sight of what Star Trek is doing and has always done. Let's never lose sight of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And speaking of the future, um, Heather and I, uh, we were just kind of throwing out ideas, just kind of banding about thoughts uh, for upcoming business one day. And... The thought was, uh, Heather, I I will let you take this one first because I'm still kind of processing exactly how I'd want it to go. Um, Just we're going to fantasy book a little bit. If you have ideas of your own, let us know at Prom Trek Pod on Twitter. uh, Send us an email, promenadetrekpod at gmail.com. Seriously, talk to us. Let us know what you think. Um, as far as Star Trek goes right now, there are multiple different series going on and we have a movie coming in the future but you star trek fan heather kirby what kind of idea would you like to see from star trek in the future if you could call alex kurtzman and say hey alex we know viacom cbs has the money here's what i'd like you to do so um when I was thinking about this topic, <laughs> the f- main thing that I wanted to talk about is Star Trek music videos. <laughs> and you're okay. going to look at me and be like, what? <laughs> but okay, hear me out. Because across the multitudes of Star Trek shows we have right now, we have a ton of actors and actresses that have music musical ability musical talent they have great voices um but not everyone in the entire cast can sing so people talk about oh i want a musical episode well it's really hard to do a musical episode when your entire cast can't handle hack it okay i mean there's plenty of amazing voices that can but not all of them can so you don't want a a Russell Crowe as Javert situation in a Star Trek episode, right? Exactly, exactly. You want something that's really going to highlight the beauty and talent of your cast, and so that's why I thought of music videos. And you're like, <laughs> well, how the hell are you going to do a music video? Uh, that's what short treks are for, <laughs> you know. We have already have a short form Star Trek in place, which would be perfectly suited to do a musical episode, which could highlight some of the amazing voices in our Star Trek cast. Uh, Something with maybe Hugh or Paul singing to each other. Both Anthony Rapp and Wilson Cruz have amazing voices. We could do something, uh, on Picard with Soji, um, who has an amazing voice. She's a, Issa Briones is a huge uh, Broadway talent. 
also came from Broadway, just like Wilson and Anthony. Um, you know, we could do something with Soji from Picard. We could do something with Celia Rose Gooding <laughs> in Strange New Worlds, who is also a she's Broadway talent. She's won a talent. Tony Award, hasn't she? Yes. She, she's won a Tony. Yes. Right? You know, you know, she has a huge, amazing voice, um, and which is perfect because Uhura had a huge, amazing voice. You know, we could do something musically with her. You know, there's so much musical talent that you can find a way, even if it's just short tracks, you can find a way to allow their musical talent to shine as well as their acting ability. And I really hope Kurtzman does this eventually because there's way too much talent there to ignore. I think that's a great idea. And I think that there is definitely some room for it to happen. And even maybe for a little bit of comedic relief, we could have someone that may not necessarily be the best singer get involved just, just for the fun of it. Because Russell Crowe as Javert in Les Miserables, it, it has a certain value to it that I... I appreciate and, and I know that others do as well. So I love your idea. It could definitely be a short track. I think it could actually be an episode. It feels like a Star Trek musical episode could definitely be something Lower Decks could pull off, in my opinion. I think that could be pulled off yeah. as well in Lower Decks. I've been thinking about this for a little bit. And I'm going to tap into my deep, dark podcasting past. Uh, well, it's no secret to anyone that follows me on Twitter. I am a big fan of anime, animation from Japan. And I was thinking about this, that if I were to call up Alex Kurtzman, I would say to Alex, you see what other big sci-fi franchises are doing with getting other animation directors, animation studios uh, involved in doing projects. I would love to see Star Trek through an anime production uh, from one of the major animation studios like Production IG or Bones in Japan. That is what I think I would like the most, whether it would be, I think as a movie, it would probably be fine. A, a production IG or a Bones standalone Star Trek movie would likely be pretty awesome. I think if there were a Star Trek anime series, that would probably be maybe a longer form series. Uh, maybe not like a Mobile Suit Gundam long-running franchise type of thing, but a show that maybe gets like a 50-episode run uh, I would like to see that. Uh, that would be two seasons worth of a Star Trek anime. It would have a, a beginning, a middle, and an end. And I feel like because there's so much in the anime genre that revolves around sci-fi and telling stories and the ideas that Star Trek talks about with humanity and going into space and progressing as a species i think that an, an anime movie or an anime series is definitely something that star trek would be capable of and i'd like to see it uh, 
And I would prefer it be something totally original and totally new. Now that we see that Star Trek does not shy away from animation anymore, I'd like to see it. And I definitely think it's possible. I mean, you know, Star Trek anime. I definitely think it's possible when you look at the success of something like Star Wars Visions, which, uh, you know, really gave the opportunity for these animation studios to tell Star Wars stories. You know, I think it's entirely possible to look at other huge franchises like Star Trek under an anime lens. So... I'd, I'd love to see it. I'd watch it, definitely. I I would absolutely watch it, and it would be a great crossover opportunity with my anime friends and my Star Trek friends. And I, I love a good crossover. So, yes, Star Trek anime. I need it. So, for Alex Kurtzman, if you're listening, because we know you are, there's a couple of ideas. A Star Trek musical and Star Trek anime. Uh, Heather, that's it. That's all we got for this episode. Uh, it's always a pleasure to talk about Star Trek with you. Uh, tell everybody what you've got going on. Tell us about your appearance on Infinite Diversity. Tell us if you want to say anything about Law & Order SVU yet. <laughs> tell us. What have you got going on? Well, yes. Like I said, I did do a guest spot on the Infinite Diversity podcast, which is on the United Federation of Podcast Network. Um, Thank you very much, Brandon, Justin, and Chrissy for having me on. It was a lot of fun. Uh, We talked about Naked Time (laughs) and the episode I Excretus, but it was a really fun conversation, and I hope you check that out. Um, as for Law and Order SVU, I have actually watched the first two weeks of episodes, which came to like six hours of television. I did finally break down and watch it. I'm not quite as mad as I was. I'm still a little mad, (laughs) but that's a whole conversation for another podcast whenever I finally get Annika to start that SVU podcast with me. So, yeah. What's going on with you? Well, uh, once again, I was on a strange new pod a couple of weeks ago talking about uh, episode six, uh, Humongous. And again, thanks to Julian Hoff and Ashley over at Strange New Pod. Ashley, that's her. I'm sorry. I messed that up. But thank you so much to a Strange New Pod for having me on. That really was a lot of fun. We love going on other podcasts. Um, if you're a wrestling fan, if you're a fan of pro wrestling, me and my buddy, the subtle doctor have started the open door wrestling podcast where we talk about everything in the world of professional wrestling outside of WWE, whether it's <laughs> all elite wrestling ring of honor, the independent scene. We're both really into Japanese wrestling lately, especially pro wrestling. Noah, and just everything in the wrestling world outside of Mondays and Fridays. So check out the Open Door Wrestling Pod if you're a pro wrestling fan. We're we're really excited to be moving forward with that. And please give us a listen. We'd really appreciate it. So that's it, everybody. Thank you all for listening to the Promenade Merchants Podcast. For Heather Kirby, I'm David Majors. Walk with the prosper, live long and profits, and thank you for listening.